Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Purposeful Marketing Podcast. It's an exciting day as we have the trio back. James is feeling better. He's ready to drop some knowledge on all of us, so I'm excited for that. Today, we're going to talk about a piece of marketing that is supposed to make our job easier, more fulfilling, and better. And that piece of marketing is a marketing playbook. Now, for the tactical practitioner who's doing this every day, our listeners, you're probably familiar with what a marketing playbook should be and what it should do. But right off the bat, I just want to start and go around the room here and everyone talk about their experience with marketing playbooks and just generally what they think it is and how to define it. Yeah, so, so let's start with you, My definition Mary. has definitely changed over time from when I was in-house versus now on the agency side. So a playbook to me is kind of similar to a go-to-market framework. So it's a very defined set of steps that you can run to achieve certain results. Um, I think in my past life as an in-house marketer, I would have just defined it as how you do marketing. That is so perfect. <laughs> Yeah. Let's end it there. How, how do you do um, marketing? Um, anything else? No, Mary? I mean, I'm really excited about this topic. There's been some chatter about it on LinkedIn, which is how we got the idea for this topic. And I've been like, I went through like my emotional roller coaster when I first saw some of these posts. It's like, you shouldn't run marketing playbooks because, you know, every business is different and blah, blah, blah. And like, I got kind of defensive because I... Um, had a lot of success in-house running marketing playbooks. So my playbook was a webinar program. I had like almost like what I would call almost like a slide deck playbook. So, you know, getting down to the very, very tactical level. Um, but then I see, I see the point of it. So I, it's like, okay, at first I was really defensive because I've seen a lot of success for marketing playbooks, but then I was also very understanding because I do think it can potentially stifle innovation, which I've seen on the corporate side of an in-house marketing job. Definitely. And I think defining it helps our listeners here because I have different viewpoints of what they are and why. But before I do, James, I want to get your take as someone who's newer in the marketing industry that maybe has not encountered these as much as maybe Mary and I have been in-house in that agency. What do you think, I mean, James? I think it's worth thinking about a play, like just a playbook. Like what, like, okay, what's a playbook? When I think of a playbook, I think of like back when I actually watched football, which would have been, gosh, it must've been like 2005, you know, maybe offensive coordinators don't even use playbooks anymore. But when I think of a playbook, it's literally like, it, it is the book of plays that you can run. You can run any number of plays, you know, some teams may have a thousand plays. I don't know. I never played football. I don't know what a good sized number of plays is, but they're not running every play, every game, you know, like it's, it's your options. It's all, it contains all of the things that you could do and how you plan on doing them. It's like when I'm working in the kitchen and I'm working at a bar kitchen, say, you know, classic sports bar food. And I get an order for like, like orders aren't coming through for pan crusted tilapia. That's not happening. It's not on the menu. It's not in the playbook. It's just not happening. If you want it, go somewhere else. Like, I think that when I think about a playbook, I think about 
setting up the, what you're good at delineating how you do the thing, what it's for, in what instances this particular play going to be helpful? What goal is this going to help me achieve? What purpose is, is each of these plays going to serve? And then when I'm looking at an overarching strategy, which I feel like should probably be determined outside of the playbook, I'm looking at all the things that I want to achieve at a high level. I can then look at the playbook and say, okay, to achieve these, I think we need to do this because this, the play, the playbooks right here, these are the things that we're good at. We don't need to hire a new person. We don't need to do, these are all the things that we can already do to achieve this goal. If nothing in the playbook can achieve that goal, then well, maybe you do need to hire someone. Maybe you, cause it's not in the playbook. It's not in the list of things that you can achieve and execute on right now. That's kind of where my head goes. Um, in terms of like, if I was going to look at a marketing playbook, what I would want it to look like and what purpose I would want it to serve. I love both those answers and my two co-hosts are so smart and you wrapped it up nicely. I think where I was going to go with this is essentially what playbooks are now, where both you explain really what they should be. What they are now essentially are just steps to execute. I think that's where the chatter comes from on LinkedIn. That's where reservations come from. Again, people are listeners running these playbooks is it's just execution. It's just telling me what to do. Now, Mary, I love how you said it's your go to market framework. Like James, I love how you said it's should be aligned with your goals. I think that's where we need to get to. And sometimes it's not quite there. What I'll add is I think your playbook should also include your point of view. Specifically, if you're an agency is you should be doing things differently than everyone else. What is your point of view on these tactics, on um, the strategy, your execution? I think that's kind of what your playbook can add. So ideally, when you bring new people on, they understand the goals, the strategy, the tactics to get there. And again, your point of view so they can repeat it. And again, in the agency, this is very important, is it needs to be repeatable services because you're going to bring on clients that have different business product and services that may be niched but they need to be able to run the playbook and everything may not fit nicely in, you know, what's the squares and round holes, right? It, it's just not going to fit nicely. Right? So if you get close to repeatability, that playbook's going to be easier to execute amongst different clients. Yeah. That's like Mary, a, it's a that? perfect summary of what a playbook should be. Right. Um, I think in the past when, I think about when marketing playbooks have not worked, it was more, like I said in the intro, it's like stifling innovation. So when I worked on the corporate side and I had some great ideas on demand generation and I didn't just like, I wasn't just pitching like, hey, we should do paid social. Like it was a very well thought out plan on exactly how we would do it for a single product first so that we could prove a concept and scale it. Like looking back at it, it still frustrates me a little bit. So sorry if that comes through, but it was just like, that's not the playbook we run. We do trade shows, marketing does brochures, marketing fulfills sales requests, marketing helps product engineering, write bulletins and sales material. So it was just like, 
that's not our quote unquote playbook, right? So that's where I think you run into dangers is when the playbook stifles innovation and, and creativity. Yeah, and I think that's such a great point is, um, again, the cons of what these playbooks are. I'm going to read some out that we had written down, then James is going to react to them. So again, the cons of why playbooks don't work is the first point is we kind of brought up already is every business, business product and service is different. It's relative. Maybe this playbook won't work effectively on this client. Um, kind of what Mary was saying, stifles innovation is in marketing, you got to move fast. Sometimes you got to zig and zag or the people are doing the opposite. If you can move fast without the playbook, you can innovate faster. I think that's kind of where that comes from. Um, the playbook becomes a crutch. It's the only thing that you know how to do. And when it doesn't work, you don't know what to do next. And then lastly, I think is super duper important. Maybe this is what you um, kind of deconstruct, James, is buyers evolve faster than marketing sometimes. And maybe your playbook gets outdated quickly and it's not resonating with buyers today. Have any thoughts on any of those comments? Yeah, I think Mary handled the innovation one just fine. I don't think I need to touch that. Um, I think, uh, I can't remember the first con you said, but I will touch on the last one because the, the idea that, you know, oh gosh, your, your customer is changing faster than your playbook is. It's like, well, what's in the playbook shouldn't be determining what you do. And like, cause at the end of the day, like you're not, you're not a football team. You know, you don't get to dictate everything about how your market works. Um, you don't get to dictate how people want to experience the product. You get to dictate how they do experience the product, but you don't get to dictate, you know, the environment in which they're driven to demand your product. You don't get to dictate, you know, you, it's like, what you choose to do should be in response, not to what's available in the playbook, but what is going to be the best for your customer. So if you think about, okay, what's going to be the best from, thing for my customer? What, um, what objectives should our marketing plan for this year or this quarter be based on these conversations we've had with our customers? Um, if your answer to those objectives that you have, if all those things are in your playbook, great, because you're going to be able to execute with some amount of efficiency and confidence and um, without needing to do anything different. And that's fine. But if, if doing the best thing for your customer means going outside the playbook, then yeah, like having one is going to feel like a con. Um, but you don't need to do every, like you can think of the playbook in a really loose way um, and it'd still be helpful in terms of, I remembered the, what I wanted to say about the first con you mentioned, which is, you know, not every company um, is it, you know, is going to have the same challenges uh, in terms of reaching their customers and in terms of marketing. I think like, hold on while I cough here for a second. Okay, sorry. Um, 
gosh, that was just boy, that was just building in me. I, I had to get rid of it. Um, that's fine. I'm keeping um, that in. I'm but like, let's that. say I'm, I'm working for, I'm thinking of how I'm going to do marketing for a company that sells, um, you know, industrial thermal processing equipment. We heat stuff up to super high temperatures. We cool it down. Now it's your part. And I see a playbook that maybe on LinkedIn, someone's like, this is the playbook. Again, this is not really the way we're thinking about a playbook, but this is the playbook I ran to drive X results for a company that sells forestry services. Okay. Like I should, I believe in my ability to look at that playbook and say, or look at it and be like, okay, I have an idea of why this wouldn't work or why this would work in my industry. I have an idea of what, you know, the challenges would be in executing something like this. Um, you know, nothing is going to be that cut and dry. Even if another company that did thermal processing equipment had their marketing manager go on LinkedIn and give me their whole playbook. I mean, it probably still wouldn't translate directly. But I think that there's there's still some amount of value in looking through that and taking it at face value and thinking about it. Um, I don't think that every person who, you know, spouts off about their awesome playbook that they have should be ignored um, just because they're in a different industry or something like that. I think if if you're if you're smart about it and, you know, you think about it, um, and you take your time and you don't just like dive into anything silly. Um, you can get a lot out of just thinking about the stuff that has worked for other people. Well said, James, where my mind goes is the playbook needs to follow a process and the process is the strategy has to come first and the strategy should be different for every single company and business where the playbook can be very similar in tactical executions, right? I think for most of us who are doing demand creation, we're running very similar tactical playbooks. There's not a lot of point of view there, but what you should do is kind of what you're saying, James, really evaluate what your business, what your strategy is like, and what you're good at. I think one of the dilemmas, which I'll bring up and then Mary, you can riff on it is the playbooks that we have gotten and utilized over the last 10 years are not from our own doing, we didn't create them. We got them from marketing technology. We got them from software. We got them from Google, Facebook, um, these ad platforms. We got them from mods for SEO. We're reaching out to grab playbooks from everyone else. I think that's really where we've got to today, where there's a lot of chatter and people just do not like these playbooks and think they do not. Yeah, work. I totally agree with what you. What do you think about that, Mary? Um, it makes me think of, I know exactly why we did it you know, five, 10 years ago, why you adopted the new digital marketing playbooks, SEO, lead gen, Google, whatever you want to, whichever one you want to pick out. It's because you could finally say marketing drove these exact results. And it was like, just so exciting. Right. I remember being so thrilled to say, I could say this product page that I, a marketer wrote and helped do the interviews and conduct all the, and do the images and help design it. I could say 
that drove X increase in traffic over three quarters, right? Um, Now looking back on it though, it's like we never questioned the results part. So we never asked the why, right? And in the end, it was why would why does website traffic matter? Why does lead generation matter? And we're seeing the negative results of that now, five, seven, 10 years later. And it's marketers who are still running those playbooks are seeing traffic, they are seeing leads, and they suck. <laughs> like the traffic is low quality, the leads mm-hmm. don't close. And I think that's where you fall into the trap is to your point, Aaron, you don't tie it back to a strategy. You don't ask the important why before you adopt the playbook. Yeah. I'll give an example from a different industry, the beverage industry of when I worked at Starbucks, there was a playbook there too. But what that playbook did was not just tell us how to make the beverages or where to put certain things. It also showed us aspects of the business in a whole, like what the strategy was. So one of them was certain areas in the cafe is highlighted in this playbook. And it's like, that's an area where you can have a conversation with a customer. Because again, Starbucks strategy is build a community outside of home. So within their playbook, there was tactical execution, but there was also that why. It's also that strategy baked into why you're doing the tactical things you're doing. I think that's what makes a good playbook. Now, let me read some of the pros of what a playbook should do and then kind of marry and change and give your thoughts on like what is the best kind of playbook. So pros is we've hit on some of these is I think number one is guardrails, telling you what paths you should go down, not necessarily taking the wheel from you and driving you there, but showing you the way. Um, Number two, repeatability, which I think is has more urgency with an agency model than in-house. But essentially, you want someone else to run this playbook, right? Is maybe maybe you're leveling up in your career and go to senior role. You need someone else to achieve the same results as you. So repeatability, and then um, I have predictability. But I think it's more of having predictable actions. So when X, Y, and Z happens, you know you're going to do one, two, and three. I think that's really what the playbook should allow you and equip you to do. So I just had three pros there. Um, James, you got any other ones? Not- really necessarily nothing that we've already talked about haven't already talked about but i do think in terms of predictability i hadn't really thought about this and i think it's probably really really helpful for everyone outside of marketing in your organization um like imagine if you're you know you have a great relationship with like a bunch of subject matter experts at, at your company um And they're super helpful for you creating content. Um, They're super helpful for you understanding the market, the product, whatever. I mean, if marketing execution changes dramatically, you know, does their involvement change? How does their involvement change? Um, What are you asking of them? Um, It's worth, you know, I think it's worth stopping and thinking before you ask for something new from someone whose job description does not entail interface with (laughs) interface with marketing to help them do their job. Uh, Their job description probably says something more like engineer thermal processing equipment, period. Here's your pay. This is what we pay senior engineers like come in and we want to be 0.8% more efficient this year than we were last year. Process engineering, baby. 
So, you know, it's the playbook is 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 a pro would also be just making sure that the people who aren't involved in the nitty gritty marketing, but do have a role to play in making the things that you do valuable, you know, the playbook should be able to make things easy for them, make it easy for them to contribute, make it easy for um, you to get what you need from them in a way that they hopefully enjoy, um, but also, you know, can contribute high amounts of value. Um, so I, I do think in terms of predictability, that's what I think of. And I think of that being super valuable um, in an in-house role and in industrial, especially because, you know, you should be getting some amount of contribution from elsewhere in the organization. Like that should be happening if you're going to create good content and not just content for content's sake. So being able to make other people's contributions more predictable for them. Like, I think that that's super helpful and something that you should aspire to with a playbook. Love that. Love that, James. You know, I think there's a lot of good reasons why you need a playbook. Um, I do want to give Mary the floor to talk more about being an in-house with a playbook and an agency in a playbook and kind of what the pros of that are. Yeah, so, um, so when I was in-house, um, I had I was at part of marketing for two different departments, so R&D and then the corporate side. R&D, you know, it's research and development anyways, so they're naturally more prone to experimentation. So on the negative side, I was their first marketer, so they had no playbooks. It was whatever Mary feels like making the playbook makes the playbook. So of course, you know, do the typical thing you do as a newbie marketer in digital on the digital side, took a bunch of HubSpot courses, you know, looked up all the cool things. Um, and I think it just takes a certain mindset. So like to James's point, you have to be willing to collaborate. Um, you have to kind of have that mindset that I want to get other people involved and excited about this marketing playbook. So the most successful playbook I ran at my company was a long form event. So it was a webinar during COVID and I followed a playbook, but I also let myself get creative and let myself and my subject matter experts kind of, you know, muddy the, muddy the waters a little bit. So maybe it wasn't following the process exactly, but we were staying to your point, Aaron, in those guardrails. So I think, you know, speaking of pros and cons, you have the, the guardrails, great, but don't let the playbook like overwhelm you. So don't be trapped by the playbook either. Um, then on the corporate side, like I explained, it was very, um, you, we were a slave to the um, playbook we were running. So it was very rote. It was very repeatable. And, you know, you get, you get trapped in the typical kind of corporate thing. Oh, well, we're, we're, we're thinking about changing. Like, yeah, no, no, we're, we're thinking about exploring other options. Advice, please don't fall for that. <laughs> They're probably going to run that playbook for at least another two years or until somebody retires and, you know, you're left out in the, in the uh, open. Um, so yeah, I think there's, like I said, you know, good things, bad things. Um, my only advice would, would be Make sure you're collaborating and don't be afraid to stretch the boundaries of the playbook you're running. 
I think that's a great summary of the experience. And I had a very similar experience working at a big Fortune 500 company is um, this is the process. It's the playbook. You can't change it. You just got to run it. Now, in your career, again, our listeners, you may face that. I think what I want to leave you with is kind of the dirty little secret is a lot of places don't have playbooks at all, and you may never have one. Um, I've worked at several companies at this point, and it's constantly been you're flying the plane as you build it. As a marketer, that's our reality. So I just want to let everyone know, the three of us, we've all felt it and we know it. What you can start doing, and I think this is what the lesson I want everyone to take out of this is, you can build your own playbook. I think you should start there, right? Start understanding the why of what you're doing. So when you're writing down those tactical executions of this is what we do and why, it relates back to the strategy, relates back to the business goals. No one's gonna teach you that. To me, I think that's all through application, trial by fire. You have to kind of do it yourself. And then through that experience, you will have a playbook and you get to pass it on to someone else. That's such a beautiful experience because there's a lot of positions I've been in where there was no playbook, but I left something for someone else. <laughs> I know that brings me joy in my marketing career. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Um, Mary James, I had a question I wanted to up. toss y'all's way because we didn't, well, we kind of didn't mention, we talked about guardrails as kind of a con in a lot of ways. Like they keep you from doing some of the things that might work really well or some things that you want to try. But like, have you ever been asked to, to do something, to run some sort of execution and been able to be like, no, that is not in the playbook. Like there is no way I am touching that. And here's why, like, what's like the craziest thing that someone suggested that you were able to say, like, dog, that's not in the playbook. Like, we're not doing that. <laughs> sure. Really good question, Mary. You want um, to start us off? I think start off? the great thing about being on the agency side now is you get to say no a lot more often because there's a very specific way that we're doing this and we pitch plans in certain time frames. So when someone says something like, oh yeah, I want to kill all the campaigns and um, let's just do blog content. And it's like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're, this is the playbook. This is what we're doing. Now on the flip side of that, I will say some client decisions were probably better ones. Like we tried to run a webinar program, for example, and it's just too difficult from the agency side to rely on us for execution. It ends up being way too expensive for the client. They could easily do it for much cheaper on their own. We were trying to do it and it just didn't work. And one of our clients came back and just said, hey, this isn't working. And we were like, you're right, it's not. So we, we killed the webinar in favor of some things we were better at. And I think overall, that was actually a really good decision. So those are fantastic examples. The only other one I was going to offer, which is one I think most marketers are facing as we kind of shift the mindset from lead gen is being asked to run native lead gen. And again, for most people's point of view, our playbooks as again, everyone wants to create demand is it just doesn't fit. Now that being said, I think kind of Mary, what you're saying too is run it, start articulating that research. Like, did this work? Did this not work? Add it to your playbook, right? What did you learn? Um, can you tell that to someone else? I think that's kind of the point I was making is this playbook needs to evolve over time so you can evolve with um, the customers. So just keep that in mind that you're going to be asked to do something that doesn't fit. There may not be a playbook at all, but it's up to you to kind of. Start I had another with. kind of question that I'm going to lead into with a comment maybe. And I think, cause I'm thinking about people that, 
you know, because, okay, what's the tenure? What's the average tenure of like a marketing generalist in a company? It's not long. No, it's not. It's more than likely that you're showing up and you're working within, if, if your company has a playbook or some sort of framework or list of things that they do, you know, maybe they don't call it a playbook and you're kind of stuck in that and you feel a little bit stuck in that, like you want to do some stuff that, that, that's not in there. Um, thinking about, you know, why your company doesn't want you to do other things from this, from the perspective of, well, they have this playbook of what they feel like works for these reasons. Like if you think about it from that perspective, that's, it's potentially a way into like having a conversation or building up the ability to have a powerful conversation with someone where you show, where you add something to the playbook. Like, don't think about, we're going to experiment with this new thing. Think about how can I, how can I develop process documentation for something that we haven't even done yet? You know, if someone's like, well, we don't have like a documented process for how to do that. And you could say, well, I have a documented process for exactly how to do that. And I'm more than happy to talk anyone through it. Like, um, I, I'm interested in, I know Mary has a lot of experience, um, kind of struggling, struggling, getting out of lead gen at a in-house company. So I'd love like your take on, is there a way into having those conversations? If you start to think about, well, I might not see the value in the playbook per se, mm -hmm. but these other people at my organization do. And if I can think about things with that in mind, maybe these conversations become easier. Yeah, for sure. So part of the playbook that I was suggesting when I suggested the change in um, playbook was to continue doing some things so we could start comparing results. Because I think that's really important to your point, James. It's comfortable. They've been running it. They know it works. There's a certain predictability about it. So I was okay with continuing to do the things that marketing usually did. You know, it was just, now let's also try this new innovative thing. So my solve was finding people who thought innovatively and creatively on different teams. So again, back to your point about collaboration, James, if you build those relationships at a company early, then people start to come to you with really great ideas and you can use those people as leverage points to push ideas forward. So I would have stayed at Spring Systems if Gorilla76 hadn't found me. And there was a few people who I could have worked with and tried to run the playbook I wanted to run. And to be totally honest, unless they offered me some kind of leadership position, um, I probably would have left in one to two years and used all those results as resume boosters and left for double my salary. So <laughs> taking that, um, just make sure you're also knowing your value when you're running these playbooks. Like, don't be afraid to use those to help yourself push your career forward. Definitely. I think that's probably our final point is not only should you be a doer, you should be a builder. And I think that building is going to help you be a better doer. And that's going to get you into that position you want to get into. So again, listeners, there may not be a playbook, but you can build it today. And that's going to help you in your career. So we'll wrap up there. I appreciate everyone. This is kind of a little longer episode, but really good content, hopefully. 
give us some feedback, send us a DM, find this possibly on YouTube soon. We'll see. Um, have a good one and enjoy yourself. Peace. Thanks, everyone.